We're in Matthew chapter 21 this morning, and since it is Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday seems to be, on the, on the Christian calendar, one of the four, I would say, one of the four biggest Christian holidays of the year, although it seems to get one of some of the least amount of attention during the year, right? A lot of times we'll have CEOs that are coming to church on Easter, people who are coming Christmas and Easter only, right? So they come twice a year. But it's like we, we, we think Palm Sunday and maybe Pentecost don't really get the, the attention of the other major Christian holidays on the calendar. But Palm Sunday is such an important Sunday because it's the, it's the remembrance of the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. He's coming into the city for the very last time. He knows it's his last time. No one else does. But it's a beginning. It's the beginning of a week of events that is going to lead to the crucifixion of our Lord and then lead to Easter Sunday, the resurrection of our Lord when he defeats death and the grave and he comes back defeating death for us and are becoming our atoning sacrifice that he can defeat death. And this day, Palm Sunday, is a day leading to that and a day of remembrance of well. He came to celebrate the Passover lamb in Jerusalem and he becomes the Passover lamb for all of us. The story of the last week before the crucifixion, the, the, the last week, of the ministry of Jesus on earth before his resurrection. Story of this last week would, would start a couple of weeks before in a town right outside of Jerusalem called Bethany. It's about two, maybe two miles away, walking distance. There are many Jewish believers who would have been coming into Jerusalem at this time because of the Passover. If you remember, we studied some of the Passover a few weeks ago. It's an annual event that Jews, especially males over 19 years old who are living within a 20-mile radius, are, are, it's mandatory that they come to Jerusalem for the Passover. And there's so many people there. It's a town that, that, that blossoms up to about 2 million people in Jerusalem that are coming in for Passover. And they travel from all over the place. To come in. But Jesus has been in the area. He came in to Bethany a couple of weeks before. See, Jesus was, he was ministering with his disciples and he had got word that one of his good friends, one of his good friends had passed away. And where Jesus was, the disciples said, we need to go, we need to leave right now and, and go, because word came and, and, and it says, Jesus, Lazarus has died, come quickly. And Jesus said, we're going to stay here for a couple of more days before he left and started going to Bethany. Jesus comes into Bethany and, and, and it's been about four days that Lazarus has, has been dead and and Mary's there, and, and Martha are there, and they're just, 
weeping. But if you can imagine, they're only two miles out of Jerusalem. And there's a, a lot of people from the city, from Bethany, and from Jerusalem who have come to the home to mourn, come to comfort Mary and, and Martha. They've, they've come, maybe, maybe they brought a casserole. Maybe they came over and, and uh, you know, maybe they started the fire. And they come to, to just comfort. There's people from Jerusalem, priests as well, that would come doing what priests do when, when somebody dies, right? And so word comes to the home that Jesus is on his way. Jesus is about to perform a miracle that no one's going to be able to deny. Because people in Bethany and in Jerusalem, they know Lazarus. They know him. He's, he's, he's a commoner. He's a guy. He's just kind of part of the city, right? And so many people know that he has died. They were there. He's been put into the family tomb or, or into a tomb. And he's been there for four days. Everyone knows that he has died. Jesus starts walking up the road from, from the home, or walking up the, the, the road towards the home. And the ladies run out to meet him. And following them are the mourners, people from the city. They, they, they follow as well and, and meet Jesus. And the women say, if he would have just been here, if he would have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have, have died. And then we come to the shortest verse in the Bible where it simply says Jesus wept, right? This was his friend too. So Jesus asks the, the ladies and, the, and he says, where, where is he? And they take him over to the tomb and Jesus says, roll back that stone. And one of the, one of the women has a great, very earthly remark at that point says Jesus we can roll back that stone but he's been dead for four days it's going to stink it's really going to smell bad he says roll it back roll it back he stands in front of that grave he prays to the father and he says Lazarus come out and then we see him walk out in his grave clothes and it's not just Mary and Martha that see it. It's townspeople who see it. There's so many witnesses who are there, witnesses that would have seen him, would have known that he was dead, and now know that he's alive. They have seen the miracle of Christ who has risen Lazarus from the dead right in front of their eyes. But some of these people right away, they run two miles into Jerusalem is they're going to go and tell. They're going, they're going to go tattle. No, they're going in and they're going to tell the priests and they're telling the, the leaders of the, of the temple, Jesus is here and he just raised a man from the dead. We talked last week about the fact that the, that the leaders of the temple, the leaders of the church could not let Jesus have the ear of the people. Could not let Jesus take the authority that they had, because if he is the Messiah, as he claims, everything in Judaism, everything in their faith is totally gone. It's abolished. 
Because the Jews are waiting for the Messiah. If Jesus is the Messiah, he now has the power and they don't. Power is such a huge motivating factor to the men in the church, to the men in the temple who are running the, the temple. John tells us that so many people saw Lazarus raised from the dead, and when they did, there's people who right then believed in Jesus. And some ran out and told the religious leaders, let's see, if Jesus is the Messiah, then there's no need for the leaders of the church. There's no need for a Jewish nation. In order to keep the status quo, the high priest high priest said, it's better that one man should die for the people than an entire nation perish. Because see, if the Jewish culture dies off, Rome's going to get even a stronger hold on this territory. And Rome's just going to come in and, 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 and all the authority, that the, the little amount of authority that the Jews have over themselves is gone. Caiaphas, the, the head, the high priest, like, look, we just kill off this one guy and we're going to be able to survive. Last week we talked about their plan to kind of do it quietly, remember? They just wanted to kill him off quietly. These people at the grave that day, they saw an amazing miracle. And now they know Jesus. And they could tell this is the Messiah. Kind of leads us to think, with all that we know about Jesus, would we ever turn our backs on Jesus and send him to the cross? Would, would we fall into the peer pressure that, that the, the crowds did? Because it's these people here that are going to be in Jerusalem a week later. They're actually going to be in Jerusalem a few days later. When Jesus comes into town on a donkey. This morning we're going to be in chapter 21 of the book of Matthew. We're reading verses 1 through 12 before we'll be moving to the book of John chapter 12 in a message that I've titled, The Coming of Our Passover Lamb. We're going to jump right in. You've got three points in your notes this morning. For those of you just joining us on the left-hand side of your bulletin, you'll find some fill-in-the-blanks, and we're going to give you those blanks up here. There's people who saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. There are so many people who had seen many other miracles of Christ. Point number one in your notes this morning, just as the truth of the miracles of Jesus point to him being the Messiah, still some people refuse to believe. On Palm Sunday, when Jesus was making his way into Jerusalem, there's Jews that would be waving palm branches and they, and they were putting branches and coats out in front of him as he comes into town on his donkey and, and, and he, they claim Jesus is the Son of God and and, and they've seen him, and they've seen his miracles, and they've heard of his other miracles, and many of them were there. At other times that he had performed miracles, he certainly, he had this reputation about him. If people didn't really know his heavenly message, there was people who knew about his miracles. 
let's face it, magician on a street can do some sort of tricks on the corner of the street and he can give you a message. You're going to remember his card trick more than you're going to remember his name, right? I remember, wow, look what this guy did. His miracles were well known. He had changed water into wine. He had healed a leper. He had, he had healed a paralyzed man. He had, he had calmed the storm on, on the sea. He had, he had healed a mute man of, of a demon possession. He had fed 5,000 people and their families. He again then turned and fed 4,000 people and their families. He walked on water. He healed a blind man, and so many more, so many of his miracles were done in front of other people. They saw it. They knew it. The truth of his miracles pointed to him being the Messiah. There's an old saying that says, if, if you tell a man that there are 581 trillion 612 stars in the sky, he will believe it. But if you put up a sign that says wet paint, he's going to test that sign. Right? So it's, the proof is right there. The miracles were right there. We know that just a few days after people laid down the palm branches as Jesus came into Jerusalem and they're saying, Son of David, Hosanna! And, and they're praising him coming out. It's the same people who days later yelled, crucify him. It's the same people. What would we do if we knew that Jesus was coming to our town for a week of celebration? You think with all that we know about Jesus, with all that we know about him as our Lord and as our Savior, and as strong as our faith is, how strong is the peer pressure? Because it was strong in those days. It was really strong in those days because the same people demanded for a murderer to be set free and for Jesus to be sent to the cross. And it was more than just the miracles that Jesus did that proved him as the Messiah. Many of the people in Jerusalem for the Passover, many of them had been to the temple numerous times. Religion was part of life. Many of them knew what we would have called our Old Testament, maybe not inside out, because not everyone was terribly literate, but they had some understanding of Scripture. Point number two in your notes this morning is just as the truth of the prophecies of Jesus point to him being the Messiah, still some people refuse to believe. Jesus had so many miracles that pointed to him being Christ, pointed to him being the Messiah, and there's so many prophecies that point to him being the Messiah. In the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 4 through 5, he, Matthew quotes Zechariah 9. In Zechariah 9, verse number 4, it reads like this. It says, This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So here's a prophecy when we see Jesus coming into town, riding on a colt, 
coming in to Jerusalem, the Apostle Paul writes, and he's quoting prophecy from the book of Isaiah. John 12 is referencing Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 through 6. Isaiah writes this, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one whom the people hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. Isn't that an amazing prophecy? Isn't that amazing? When we think about what did Christ do for us, he was pierced for our transgressions. He wasn't pierced for his transgressions. There were so many prophecies that, that, that Jews would have known, and some of them, they could have drawn the line between the prophecy and this man they know as Jesus. There was the prophecy that he would be born in Bethlehem. That's Old Testament prophecy. That he would be born of a virgin. That's Old Testament prophecy. That he would come from the line of Abraham. That he would, be, that he would spend a season in Egypt. So some of these are from his early years. There would be a massacre of the children that would happen around the birthplace of the Messiah. It's history at that point that in Bethlehem, at a certain time, there were boys who were killed as the king is trying to kill the Messiah. There's a prophecy that a messenger would prepare the way of the Lord. John the Baptist said many times, I'm not the Messiah. I am the one crying in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. There's a prophecy about John the Baptist. There's a prophecy saying that he would be rejected by his own people, that, that he would be a prophet, that he would be declared the Son of God, that he would be called a Nazarene, that he would bring light to Galilee, that he would speak in parables. All of these are prophecies, that he would be called king, that he would be praised by children. So many people who could have drawn these connections, drawn this line, and seen the prophecies in the life of Jesus, but still people wouldn't believe. They believed when it was popular, when their friends took palm branches and waved them when Jesus walked into the town. But a few days later, when they have their choice, they take a murderer into their, into their society and they send a king to the cross. It's more than just simply evidence of Jesus' miracles and it's more than just evidence of the prophecies that fit 
Jesus so well that, that point him, all the Old Testament points to him. It's more than simply this. Point number three in your notes this morning. Watch this. Just as the truth of the words of Jesus point to him being the Messiah, some still refuse to believe. It's not only his miracles that he's done, it's the prophecies that he's fulfilled, but it's the words that he says. John chapter 14, verse number 5 through 11 reads like this. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered this, I am the way and the truth and in the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the exclusive claim of Christianity. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. See, Jesus is saying, I am the Father. The Father is in me. If you don't believe my words, believe my actions. Believe these miracles. Look at these prophecies. Listen to what I say, he's saying. Isn't it interesting that as adults we can have all of this Bible knowledge in our day and age, but we can still have doubts? Can you imagine how much more do we have today than they had in that day? How many instances in your life can you say, I know Jesus is alive because he's done this for me. I know that Christ is my savior because he brought me out of this world of sin and he has been with me ever since. But still, there's some who have just these uncertainties. When the, when the world lays pressure on us, sometimes our worries and, and our uncertainties can get the best of us. On Palm Sunday, Jesus was making his last trip into Jerusalem and the people laid down, they laid down their cloaks, they laid down their coats, they laid down palm branches. Some of these people, they knew exactly who he was, but they refused to believe. There was a kindergarten teacher a few years back who would ask her their asked one of his, her uh, students what he was drawing, and, and the boy didn't even pause. He just said, I'm, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher said, well, nobody really knows what God looks like. And the boy just put down his crayon, looked her right in the eye, and says, well, when I'm done drawing, they will. <laughs> See, this boy had, had faith. He had an amazing faith that this is God. He's drawing a picture of the God who he speaks to every night. He's drawing a picture of Jesus who he talks to before every meal. 
something amazing about children, amen? But still there's people who stood there and watched Jesus raise a man out of a grave and they still wouldn't believe. There's so much power in the miracles of Christ and there's so much power in the prophecy and in His words that us here today on Palm Sunday, a day when He is coming into Jerusalem, we can stand and say, Hosanna to, to the Son of David. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord, as they did. But you and I have an opportunity to say, we are not standing up and say, crucify Him. We are standing up and saying, this is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and He died for me. It was five days after the crowds waved palm branches and praised Him as He came into town that the same people raised their fist and demanded His crucifixion. It was almost a riot of sorts. They said, we want that murder." Put him into our cities. Put him into our community. And take, take Jesus. Put him on the cross. With all that we know about him, would we turn our backs on Jesus and send him to the cross? Would we fall into that peer pressure of the crowds? I have a feeling here that there are many people in this church who would stand up strong for the Son of God. Amen? On Palm Sunday, we do. We sing Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the, in the highest. But what will we sing on Monday? Can we sing that same song tomorrow that we're singing today? I think we can as a church, amen? I think we can, and we have to, because this world has nothing to do. They, they don't want anything to do with Jesus. This world would crucify Him again every day of the week. We need to be able to stand and say, that is our King. Jesus did go to the cross for us, and we'll see that next week. But we're going to see that he went to the cross, but he didn't stay on that cross, and he went to the grave, and he didn't stay in that grave. He defeated the cross, he defeated the grave, and he lives for you and I today. The Messiah is what these people were looking for. Jesus is who they needed, but because of what they wanted... They picked up their palm branches and traded them for protest signs and, and waving fists in the air for Jesus to be killed. They took what they wanted over what they needed. This world will give you anything you want. This world gives away for free. Anything that our hearts desire. You want it, the world will give it to you. 
But when it comes to a need, when it comes to filling that, that void in our soul, Jesus will always be there. This world will not. He will always be there. We can be, we can be who Jesus needs us to be instead of making Jesus who we need him to be. Because this world that likes to put him in a box, this world likes to make him just what they want him to be. Sometimes they'll praise him when it's comfortable, but they'll crucify him when they're angry. I want to be a church that praises Jesus every single day. Amen? Let's pray.